Prayer is the most powerful thing we can do in our days, but all too often it gets drowned out by the noise around us. But what if the noise in our earbuds could help us tune out the noise of the world and instead tune in to our most important conversation? That's why we're here, to bring you inspiring conversations, practical how-tos, and guided prayers to help you pray like you never thought possible. I'm Valerie Warner, and this is Prayer in a Noisy World. Welcome, Asherita. I'm so excited to chat today. Val, thanks so much for having me. I'm so grateful to be here. Yes. So you, you are one of the people that I love talking to because you write a lot about prayer as well. Um, but you've also written a book called Full um, of a biblical perspective on our relationship with food. So I just think you're the perfect person to get to have this conversation um, on fasting. Um I don't know what your experience has been, and we'll get into this, but a couple of years ago, I remember talking to my husband, and um, he was getting into fasting, um, actually looking at fasting for like weeks at a time to see its effect on cancer, and I remember it like reinvigorating this, okay, I need to look at fasting again for spiritual things. So I looked on my bookshelf, I've got like 30-something books on prayer. And I was hard pressed to find a book that had even a chapter on fasting. Mm-hmm. Um, so this is not a conversation that we hear covered a lot today. Um, and I will ask you why in a second, but before we get into fasting, I would just love to start by hearing what does your prayer routine look like right now? Um, well, right as we're recording this, um, mm-hmm. you're transitioning from summer into our school routine in the fall. Um, and so I'm, I'm also adjusting my personal schedule of waking up before the kids and, and when I have time with the Lord. So, um, in like total transparency, it's a bit in flux right now, (laughs) but I find that's true of seasons of life. Um, like what works well for one season doesn't necessarily translate that, that well in another season. And so that's something that I've learned to just kind of adapt to the season that we're in. So Right now I wake up about uh, 45 minutes to an hour before the kids wake up and spend some time in my chronological reading plan. And then I have my Valmarie prayer journal um, Mm -hmm. that I pray through uh, just a couple. I I shoot for a couple times a week, um, Mm -hmm. going through whatever stands out to me that I've prepped and other than that focused time in prayer, um, I I try to be, this sounds like a cop-out, but I try to be in the spirit of prayer <laughs> throughout the yeah. day. Yeah. Um, and so there's focused time that I'll sit and um, just talk to God about what I read in the Bible that day, um, bring to Him what's on my heart for the day, the things I jotted down to pray for other people. Um, but then throughout the day, I'm, I'm constantly talking to Him. Um, just half an hour ago, I talked to him about this interview. I talked to him about my son mm-hmm. who's running a fever. Um, talked to him about what's coming up later today, and just kind of being in a constant state of communicating with him. But then one of my favorite things is um, once in a while, maybe once a month or once every two months, getting together with other women who love Jesus and praying together. And so we'll go for prayer walks. Um, and some of these prayer walks can be like two or three hours long, just walking and talking with Jesus and 
um, that for me is kind of the rocks in my, in mm-hmm. my year that I, I just look forward to these long in-depth conversations with the Lord and with other women. And, and those just bolster my faith, um, so that I continue those times of prayer on my own. Yeah. Um, well, a few things that you said I wanted to point out cause, um, I just loved it. I, well, I think it's interesting as I talk to more, more women who have been praying for a long time, that there is less of a routine or less of a structure to prayer, um, almost because it's becoming so natural. Like in the beginning, like if we, um, I know we just, we talked to a lot of people about like starting prayer habits and I've noticed myself, like I don't automatically use our journal every single morning anymore, but those things are just coming natural. So it's, it's an interesting ebb and flow of, of how you go from, from that. Um, so I, I just think it's good for people to hear that, like that, hear the progress that comes as you start to pray more and, um, how those things do become so natural. And cause it can be intimidating to think like, is this just going to be my life? Am I just gonna have to be like ruled by these, you know, things in my day to, to keep me on task for prayer, but no, it just, it's going to become more, um, naturally part of our day. Um, but the other thing, man, the long prayer walks, it sounds intimidating to hear at first, just hours that long together praying. But, um, but I know as I start to pray those things, uh, you usually get that feeling of, no, I could go longer in those moments, you know, like as you're doing it. But when you hear about it before, like anything, like going to the gym or working out, you know, it feels like, oh, I don't know if I could do that. But I think that's just a cool testimony to how powerful prayer is and what happens when we are in his presence, um, and praying. So I love that. I will. I just want to add like with that two to three hour thing, it, it can sound like a humble brag and it's really not (laughs) that (laughs) at all. Because like you said, when you're in conversation with Jesus, with someone else who desperately loves Jesus and believes he is present as we're talking to him, that is the best term I can come up with is prayer discipleship. Like I have learned how to pray by praying with these women, by hearing them talk to God and hearing how they um, don't just say the churchy prayers, if you know what I mean. Like we all know those two to three minute prayers that start a certain way and then there's a middle and there's an end. And these formulas, I mean, I I have a podcast called Prayers of Rest. I think formulas are helpful in teaching Mm -hmm. prayer, but it gets to a point where um, our prayers transcend these formulas. And and so spending time with other people in extended periods of prayer, even if you just start with 20 minutes <laughs> with someone else. Um, but but if, if that's something you're thinking, you're listening to this and you're thinking, gosh, I, I wish I had that. I mean, it sounds kind of intimidated, but I'm also kind of intrigued. Mm-hmm. Then I would encourage you to ask God to bring into your life a woman of prayer that you can learn to pray together. Um, it is one of the most beautiful relational dynamics that that I've experienced. Yeah, I love it. I love it. That's um, that's something we've been talking about 
to just that idea that if you don't know how to pray and we had somebody the other day who just said, when I pray with other people, I kind of get intimidated by how eloquent their prayers are. Mm-hmm. And, um, I told him the obvious, like, don't be intimidated. No, we're not, you know, like we don't need to feel like that. But I also said, but see it as a really cool opportunity that you're getting to hear prayers from somebody who's maybe been praying longer. And it is a, it is a unique learning opportunity and not that we're taking notes and trying to emulate that, but that we're, it, it's a fresh way that we get to learn prayer. So I think that's, that's really cool. Um, so yeah, I really just want to dive into fasting because I think we could talk a bit about this. Let's um, do it. <laughs> why should we fast? Hmm. Um, Okay, so the the cheeky answer on the tip of my tongue is because Jesus tells us to. Yeah, yeah. Um, (laughs) It's one of the imperatives that we're given in Scripture that I think, sadly, our generation in the Western church has Mm -hmm. uh, largely ignored. And this is not true universally in the global church. Um, I spent... 10 years in Romania as a missionary kid. Um, and there's definitely fasting in Romania. It's part of, um, it's woven into the fabric of our church life there. Um, there are parts of the world where, um, brothers and sisters in Christ rely on fasting as much as their next breath, um, because prayer and fasting are so intimately, um, connected in, in God's spiritual kingdom economy. Um, and so the first thing I would say is if, if nothing else, Jesus said, it's important. He said, when the bridegroom is taken away, then they will fast. Um, and, and so that's something that we just need to start there. (laughs) If Jesus said it's important, then, then we should be paying attention. Um, but you know, if I were to come at it from another angle, um, because Val, both you and I are writers and we write online. And so I understand the importance of engaging listeners from, well, what's in it for me? Yeah, <laughs> Which, yeah. Let's just be honest. We're, we're all busy. We all have like 15,000 things clamoring for our attention saying you should do this. You should do that. So why fast? Um, I found it really helpful. John Piper has a book called a hunger for God. Mm-hmm. And he says there is, an appetite for God and it can be awakened. And so he invites us to turn from the doling effects of food, from the dangers of idolatry and to choose a fast to willingly lay something down to say, God, this is how much I want you. This is how much I want to want you. So Mm -hmm. will you stir in my heart a hunger for yourself? And in my experience and the experience of saints that I've read throughout history, God often accomplishes uh, significant work and transformation in our own lives when we lay down good gifts um, through the the aspect of fasting. Man, I love that. That was so good. Um, I haven't read that book, but I've seen it. And that makes me want to pick it up. Just, you know, just that idea to hunger for God and um, the idea that we can grow that, you know, like it's not something we should just feel like, oh, we don't have that. So that's a bummer and we'll never have that. But the, the fasting is a part of spurring that on. Um, I think is something we could all, um, just be motivated by. 
Um, I was going to ask, why do you think fasting isn't commonplace? And I know you talked about the fact that it's not. So why do you think, um, why do you think that is, especially in our Western culture? Um, I, I mean, for one thing, it's uncomfortable. <laughs> yeah. You know, it, it, the, the traditional way of viewing fasting is around food. Um, and so no one really wants to skip a meal. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think in my own personal experience, um, I fasted for the wrong reasons. I fasted because I want to lose weight. I fasted because yeah. I wanted to impress my parents. I fasted because it was the right thing to do. Um, fasting is something that we can do for the wrong reasons. Um, and it's also uncomfortable. And I think there's also an aspect to fasting that feels um, mysterious to us. Like we don't really understand how fasting affects, uh, the, the spiritual reality that we don't see. And so it's easier to just kind of push something off if we don't understand it. Um, Mm -hmm. so I think all those things just kind of bring a lot of confusion to the issue of fasting. And Val, like you said, it's not something that we talk about very much in the Western church, um, because it is misunderstood. Yeah. And it's it's as if, you know, we're so afraid of misunderstanding it that we just avoid it altogether, which is just not, not what God has for us. You know, he wants us to, um, to work through it basically. Um, so what do you think, well, I guess tell our listeners what fasting looks like or what are important aspects of fasting? I know we've had people, um, ask, you know, well, I don't know if I could fast from food because I'm on this diet or, you know, like I'm nursing, pregnant, things like that. Um, I would love to hear your take on what are important aspects of fasting and what is kind of like, um, I don't want to say personal choice, but you know what I'm saying? Like choosing what things to, that you have freedom to customize. Yeah. Um, well, let me just start by saying a fast is not a diet. <laughs> it can be a diet um, because there's definitely a physical dimension to a fast. Um, but in, I mean, at a, in its simplest terms, a fast is um, willingly abstaining from something good mm-hmm. uh, in a desire for something better. Um, and so when we fast... <laughs> Anything can fall within those realms. Um, we don't really have um, laws set in stone in scripture about what a fast should look like. And so that really mm-hmm. opens up the possibilities for us. So a personal example um, might help kind of lead in this in this conversation. Um, about eight years ago, seven or eight years ago, um, I felt like I was in that place of um, not really desiring God and, and spiritual apathy. And I had tasted the goodness of God um, as a teenager. Um, he has loved me to himself over the years. And so I knew that there was a sweetness in friendship with him. And over time, that had just seemed to slip away from me. So... Um, it was this book, A Hunger for God, that I was reading by John Piper. And I I read this quote. He said, if we don't feel strong desires for the manifestation of the glory of God, 
It is not because you have drunk deeply and are satisfied. It's because we have nibbled so long at the table Mm. of the world. Our soul is stuffed with small things and there's no room for the great. And so um, I I sat with that quote for a little bit and and just asked God to search me like, what is it that my soul is stuffed with? What is it that I'm turning to for pleasure, for comfort that is not you? Um, And I was reading Psalm 63 and and the psalmist says, God, I, I desire you more than life. Um, and I was, I was prayer journaling that and, uh, it, this question Val popped out of nowhere. Um, do you love me more than sugar? Mm-hmm. And I was like, huh? what, where did that come from? <laughs> That's weird. <laughs> like, of course I love you more than sugar. God, I love you more than anything. Um, and just kind of pushed past it. But, but that question kept niggling at my soul. Do you love me more? Than anything more than sugar, and um, as I sat with that, the the invitation to willingly lay down sugar to experience the fullness of Jesus was what I felt the Spirit was putting before me. And up to that point, Val, I'd never heard of anyone doing a sugar fast um, mm-hmm. as a spiritual as a spiritual journey or a spiritual um, discipline. And, and yet as I was sitting there with the Lord, I I couldn't get away from the sense that he was inviting me into a 40 day sugar fast. Um, and again, I was like, well, fasting, doesn't it have to be like, you don't eat anything or you don't eat and drink. Like I'd, I'd heard absolute fasts where nothing passes your lips. There's partial fasts where, um, you might eat between like, when it's dark, but not when it's light, or you might um, have liquids, but not solids. Like they're all different types of fasts, but I'd never heard of this particular fast. Mm -hmm. Um, But the more I sat with it, the more it felt like an invitation. And this is something that is just so important to me to communicate. Like, even though, yes, Jesus says that, that we ought to be fasting while he's gone, it's not an iron handed command that is meant to somehow break our spirits and discipline our bodies with this, um, ostracism, (laughs) you know, that that's not what fasting is. Fasting is an invitation from God for us to lay something down, something that's a good gift from God so that we might instead experience the surpassing greatness of his sweetness in our lives. So I, with much trepidation, <laughs> went on, started um, just abstaining from sugar. And when I'd have sugar cravings, I would I would use those physical cues as a prompt to say, God, I want you this much. Like as much as my body is screaming for sugar right now, that's how much I want to want you. Would you bring that hunger back in my life? Would you bring that desire for you back in my life? And about five or six days in, Val, I was ready to give up. I was like, this is crazy. Who am I to think that I heard from God in this? Like, I'm I'm just making this up. Plus like chocolate chip cookies sound really good right now. (laughs) And uh, so I, I asked God, I said, Lord, would you in your kindness send someone to do this with me? so that I'm not in this alone because prayer and fasting was 
in biblical times, typically practiced in groups. It wasn't a solitary thing. It was something that people did together. And Val, I kid you not, within 48 hours, um, this online acquaintance of mine had posted that she was going to start a 40-day sugar fast. And her name is Wendy Speak. Oh, yeah. um, She said, I just want to see if anyone out there wants to do a sugar fast for 40 days. And I was like, God, you are so good and kind. I felt like it was a personal answer to my prayer that that I would just happen on this. Um, When I didn't really know her, I, I just maybe read some of her things online. So I think there were maybe seven or eight of us that first year that did a 40 day sugar fast. And, um, throughout the weeks that followed, all I can say is it was, it was a beautiful exchange of, um, the short term satisfaction of a sugar rush, um, to discovering the sweetness of Jesus's presence. And again, there's something, I hesitate to say mysterious or mystical about it because I know some Mm -hmm. people don't like those words, but this isn't quantifiable. (laughs) There's something that happens in the spiritual realm that we simply cannot explain with physical means, except to say, Mm -hmm. God promises that when you seek me, you will find me. If you search for me with all of your heart, I will be found by you. He promises that those who hunger and thirst will be satisfied in his presence, that we can taste and see that the Lord is good. Throughout scripture, again and again, we have these metaphors of food talking about how God longs to satisfy us with himself. And so again, this is an invitation. There's no right or wrong way to do do it if your heart is in the right place. Mm-hmm. And what we've seen God do over the past, again, seven or eight years is tens of thousands of women have joined in an annual 40-day sugar fast every year saying, I want to fast from sugar so I can learn to feast on God. And the stories that we've heard of what God has been doing in women's lives through these fasts have just been nothing short of God's gracious intervention in our lives. Um, I, so I actually went through that book and went, remember reading and, um, I, I don't know if she mentions you by name. Do, do you think she mentions you by name in the book? Do you remember um, that? I think or maybe, I got to write the foreword to that book. Okay. So I, I was going to say, cause, Mm-hmm. Yeah, I was gonna say because for some reason I do remember once you started talking, I was like, oh, I remember that um, Asherita was a part of that, or like you know, knowing that you were there in the beginning. But um, it was a really powerful thing, and um, just talking about like fasting and how it's hard to put it into words why it's so special. I know, like when you were talking about. Um, like I got the sense that you probably feel the same way I do when, when I fast, there is a different, there is a steadiness in my heart. Like you said, like this slow sweetness, um, compared to like a sugar rush. But I feel like on days where I'm fasting, it's a different, it's a different pace in my soul. It's almost like I'm having to be so, um, aware of my senses. It's, it's, it's alive in a different way. And, um, I think it's just, it's a sweet moment that we do, 
we are invited into. And I just love that you said it's not, you know, like this isn't God like trying to beat us into this role of something that, you know, humbles us and brings us good fruit, but it is an invitation that God gives us. And when we choose it, it's just like anything else in his kingdom. Like it requires a sacrifice, but he, what he offers is so much better. And, um, yeah, I, I want to hear if you have any other thoughts on fasting that you feel like maybe people haven't heard before. I know, um, I know, we in even in the book uh pray confidently and consistently i talk mostly about food fasting just because that's what we see in the bible um but is there anything else that you have fasted from or um experienced as, as much fruit as a food fast um or would you say that food and, and whenever i say food fast i know like it could be different things like you said it could be like I'm currently taking um, a lot of different supplements where that requires me to have food or, you know, like something in my system. Mm -hmm. So as I've been fasting, it's been like, I drink a green juice for breakfast and I'm promise you that that is not what I would would choose any (laughs) other day. (laughs) It's a sacrifice. Yeah, it's definitely a sacrifice, but um, yeah, I'd love to hear your thoughts on that. Whether you have uh, fasted from other things, if you think food's a, a good way to start or, or what? Yeah. Yeah. And I feel like just at this point, a disclaimer is important, even though we're like far into the conversation, but I am not an expert on fasting. (laughs) (laughs) Let me just say that. Um, what I share comes from my own personal experience throughout the years. And, um, I do love to read. So I, I have scoured the internet for books on fasting and I've read quite a lot about it, but, I know there are other women and men of God who are far more qualified to talk about fasting than I am. Um, But what I've noticed is, again, with one of these sugar fasts that we did one year, um, I felt like it it wasn't really that hard. Like the more I did it, the more I was like, oh, okay, like I'm okay. And it it became um, like relying on my own willpower to get through it. Mm -hmm. And so I wasn't using those cravings or, or pangs, hunger pangs or cues to turn to God in prayer. It was more, um, yeah, just kind of spiritually muscling my way through this fast. Uh, so I, I have done it wrong. I'm over here raising my hand saying God is so patient and gracious and generous with us as a loving parent to guide us through this. He's not in heaven, like shaking his finger at us being like, you screwed up again. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Instead, he's again, inviting us to experience this with him. And one of the times I was going through, um, I'll say I, when I was a teenager, I would do like total fasts for like 24 hours. Um, I think almost a year. And it got to the point where both my parents and my doctor was like, you probably shouldn't do that. You're borderline anemic. (laughs) And like, I was having spells. And so there, there came a point where it's like, okay, you know, just because you can't do it one way, doesn't mean you have to give it up entirely. Like you said, Val, Mm -hmm. that green juice for breakfast, um, it, it, it's the spirit, right? The spirit that we do these things in. And so that's Mm -hmm. why for me, this rhythm of an annual 40 day sugar fast has been so helpful. Um, 
but what, what I wanted to share was, um, there, yeah, years when I've done it with a humble and contrite heart, there are years when I've done it in pride. Um, there's one year in particular where it was a real struggle. And so instead of like a mid afternoon sugar hit, um, I would pick up a book that I was reading and I think I was into like historical novels at that point. And it was two or three weeks in, um, before I felt God's spirit just kind of convicting me of, I had swapped one drug for another. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Um, and, and again, it was an invitation. Are, are you willing to lay down historical fictional reading for a season and instead seek me with more intentionality? It was, um, listening to audiobooks and podcasts and movies and, it was a gentle, a gentle conviction of saying, um, stop running to wells that are dry and run to the well of living water instead. Um, so in answer to your question, like, can you do non-food fasts? The answer is yes. <laughs> You'd be surprised how many things, like how creative the human heart can be, how many things we can run to when we say, oh, okay, I'm not going to have this, but I'm going to comfort myself with that. And we still miss the point of the fast, which is to hunger and thirst for God, mm-hmm. to feast on his word, to fill ourselves with the sweetness of his presence. And once you experience that, um, these other temporary distractions um, really do fade and they're not as appealing anymore. Yeah. So, well, I would love to ask how, you know, it, it, it seems like it requires an awareness of the things that maybe we start to idolize and um, the things that we're hungering for. Um, is there any advice you'd give to people to, to figuring that out? I mean, I, I feel, I would like to think like a lot of those things are usually obvious, but um, I know sometimes the only thing I can think of is yes, just pray for the Lord to make you aware of that. <laughs> um, anything else that you would tell anybody about just trying to figure out what, what maybe is the thing that is holding onto your heart, like questions to ask of like, how can you, how would you feel giving this up? Or do you even think you could give this up for a certain amount of time? Yeah. Um, I, I think those are good questions to start with. Uh, if your gut reaction listening to this and hearing um, 40 days without sugar is like, oh no, I could never do that. <laughs> uh, maybe sit with that. Sit with that with the Lord and say, why not? Does yeah. sugar have an ungodly control over your heart? And I say that in gentleness because the answer for me was yes. Um take time to talk to God about this, but also talk to someone else in your life too. Again, so much of um, the Christian life in scripture is communal. We're not meant to do this alone. We're not meant Mm -hmm. to pray alone. We're not meant to fast alone. We're not meant to try to muscle our way through life alone. Um, And so if there is a godly woman in your life, um, that you trust, that you could invite into this conversation to say, I want to hunger and thirst for God more. I want to experience more of Him in my life. And I'm thinking about fasting. As you look at my life, 
is there anything that you feel um, I might be turning to too much? Is there anything in my life that has become a distraction or a hindrance or an idol? Um, and depending on how close you are to this person in this relationship, they might be able to offer you counsel. If not, they might be able to pray with you. Honestly, my mentor, most of the times I ask her these questions, she will take my hand and she will say, I don't know, Asherita, but let's talk to God about it. <laughs> and then mm-hmm. she starts praying with me. Um, and in her that. prayer for me, that the Holy Spirit begins to reveal parts of my life that she doesn't know, but he does. <laughs> and so just having the gift of someone to um, come to the Lord in prayer together and lead you in that conversation, um, it's such a gift. Yeah. Um, have you, in your experience of fasting, ha- are there any memorable moments where you felt like you had a, a just a big spiritual breakthrough, whether it was an answer to prayer or God taught you something unexpected. Um, any that you remember or would want to share? Yeah. Um, so I talked about the 40-day sugar fast. Those usually happen in January. And then typically right on the heels of that, we enter into the Lenten season, yeah, um, which is another season of fasting. And I've been um, a spoiled child about that many years. <laughs> oh my God, wait, I just finished one fast. I don't want to start another. Um, and, and there was one year in particular that um, I just kind of, uh, I was a little grumpy in, in conversation <laughs> with the Lord. <laughs> and I was like, okay, what now? Like, what do you want me to give up? Um and again, the Lord is just infinitely patient with us um, and, and welcomes us in conversation to have those conversations with him. And um, he led me to this chapter in Isaiah that says, this is, this is the fast I desire. Mm-hmm. It is to essentially show kindness and love to those who are vulnerable, to those who are downtrodden to exchange the hatred and pride of our hearts for the compassionate love of our father. And that is the heart of fasting. And so I realized that for years, um, my fast had been self-focused. Like I wanted more of God for myself. I wanted to experience more of his goodness and his sweetness and his grace. And there's nothing wrong with that, but, um, in that, um, pity party that I was throwing myself. Um, God just so compassionately swept in and, and enlarged my view of what fasting is meant to be. It's not about us. (laughs) It is about, um, God using us as conduits of his love in the world around us. And fasting is an avenue that opens the door to us experiencing more of God's love in his presence so that we then can become his love and presence to people around us. And um, that year in particular, instead of asking, what do you want me to give up? Uh, the question became, who are you calling me to love? And the Lord brought to mind um, someone who is in close proximity um, that I engage with on a fairly regular basis. And we were amicable, but 
but there was something in my heart that, um, was definitely not love. (laughs) Uh, it was, it was one of those things where I would avoid eye contact or this person walked into the room, I would walk out. And, um, I felt God's invitation in that season saying to me, this is the fast that I want from you. It is for you to learn to allow me to love that person through you. Um, and so it was a laying down of my own pride, (laughs) um, because everything within me said, thanks, but I'd rather give up sugar for 40 days again. (laughs) 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 Um, and yet that year Val, um, Jesus just tenderly chipped away at the pride and the self-absorption in my life. Um, I spent that season feasting on the Gospels, mm. looking at how mm-hmm. Jesus loved, um, looking at the Gospels through the lens of 1 Corinthians 13. If love is patient, love is kind. It doesn't get easily angered. I looked at how does Jesus love that way? And um, again, my friend Wendy um, Speak Bruner invited me to consider how can I practically plan out acts of love for this person? Can I buy them coffee one day? Could I send them a note in the mail one day? Could I drop off flowers one day? And every time I would do it, Val, I I had to cling to God to say, God, fill me with your love in this because this Mm. is a sacrifice for me. This is me laying down everything in me that says this person has wronged me and I don't want to love them this way, but this is the true fast that you desire. And over the course of that Lenten season that year, God changed my heart and thawed my frozen heart toward this person to a point where I can't explain it. Like we're not best friends now. But there's love there. And that is nothing short of miraculous for God to transform relationships. Um, and, and for me to get to show not my own love that I've, I've tried to muster up to like this person, but rather to open myself to be a conduit of God's love to this person. Um, it was one of the unique privileges of my life. And so special. And I don't think it would have been possible outside of a season of fasting. Because like you said, there's a a sense of heightened awareness of Mm -hmm. God's presence, a slowing down of of the spinning world around us, and an an acute awareness of the spiritual senses. And yeah, I could, I could just go on. Like again, this isn't quantifiable. <laughs> it's not something physical. It's something in the spiritual realm that shifted. But it was possible through the discipline of fasting, feasting on God's word, and saying, "God, here I am, all of me. It is all on the table. I am holding nothing back. Have your way in me." And God is always gracious to lovingly answer that call. Mm-hmm. Well, I think it's interesting just to hear how with fasting and, you know, a lot of things in our spiritual journey are like this, but it, it it's not something, oh, I did this. 
I do this once every year and I kind of get the same quote unquote results, but like God is, it, it's like the word and how it's alive and active. Like this is something that like each year is, is transforming you in new ways. So I think that's just, it's encouraging to hear um, just as we want. I know I want to make fasting a consistent part of my life. So just to hear how like, okay, one day it's doing this and one day God is using it in this way, I think is just really cool to see um, the all the possibilities, literally the possibilities that God has for us in fasting um, that, again, like you said, are not just for ourselves, but for the whole body, um, body of believers. Um, you, you mentioned feasting, and I would love to hear um, what you think just the role that feasting has in fasting, because I was reading something recently and, um, basically they talked about how like they were praying and fasting for something. And then maybe like the month before this event happened, they decided they were going to start fast, uh, feasting as like a response of gratitude for, for what God, you know, like I know David prays like this, where he's like, he, he praises God before it happens. Um, and I know that was approach that I was going to take with the book, fasting, you know, for a while before the launch. And then every Wednesday, um, the last couple of weeks before the launch, it would be feasting and just excitement and gratitude for what mm-hmm. the Lord is going to do um, with the book. So, yeah, I'd love to hear if you have any thoughts on feasting. Yeah. Um, again, feasting is something communal. <laughs> I mean, it's something that we see in Scripture that um, God's people were commanded slash invited <laughs> to feast and to celebrate together, to remember what God has done and repeat the narrative of his deliverance as a reminder of what he's going to do in the future. And so fasting and feasting go together. Uh, They're Mm -hmm. both, again, fasting is laying down a good gift (laughs) in order to experience God's greater presence. Um, But it's a good gift. And so there are times when we take that good gift back up and we say, God, you are the giver of this good gift. Thank you. Thank you for the abundance of food. Thank you for community. We look back, we say, thank you for the ways that you have answered prayers. Thank you for the ways that you have transformed my heart and my life. We pause to recite God's goodness um, because we are imprinting on our souls the pattern of who God is and how he has revealed himself in our lives so that the next time we come to similar obstacles or uh, another season of fasting, we can um, call up those stories of God's faithfulness and deliverance in our own lives. And this is something that I feel like my parents Um, did so well um, in my childhood. They would recount stories of how God delivered them. Um, They were, my dad was a pastor in communist Romania and um, threatened by the secret police and they had to escape. And the way that God provided and protected Mm. them every step of the way, the way he delivered them um, in impossible situations the way he made a way for them to come to the United States. And then when communism fell, we went back as missionaries and how God continued to provide and to protect and to um, just bring so many people to know Jesus 
in those season, in that season that we were there. And yet my parents faithfully told these stories to us around the dinner table. And so we were growing up on stories of Moses and the Exodus and David and Goliath and, you know, Rahab and Jericho. And also my dad and the secret police and my hmm. mom in Athens in Greece and um, the the faithful men and women of God who were there with them, walking with them through this and providing for them, them being the conduits of God's love <laughs> to my parents in those situations. And so it was a beautiful blend as we would sit around the dinner table feasting on food of also feasting on the stories of God's faithfulness, not just historically or biblically, but here and now. <laughs> and so that's something that I've been encouraged um, in my own motherhood to faithfully tell my children the stories of what God is doing in my life, of how he is faithful in my life, of how he brought their dad and me together, how he provided miraculously a, a scholarship tuition for my husband to be able to be here, how he provided for us in the home that we're in, how we're praying for things right now in faith that God will meet them, those needs, so that when he does meet those needs, they see those answers to prayer. And it's confirmed in their little hearts that God mm -hmm. is alive and active and he listens to prayers and he cares about it. And he's just as real now as he was four or 5,000 years ago in the biblical stories that we read. That is the beautiful weaving of fasting and feasting of doing this in community. One generation after another will proclaim your works. And we get to be one of those generations. Hmm. I love that. Yeah. That, um, it, uh, we, when, when, we have um, somebody ask about how do we teach our kids prayer. We talk a lot about this idea of you have to show that he's real. If he's not real, they're not going to want to pray to him. And you, you just said that so beautifully. The idea that like we want to teach him obviously stories in the Bible, but um, you know sometimes that can feel removed to a kid. That can feel like we even catch ourselves saying Bible characters or things like that. Like they're characters of a story, but. Um, to hear stories of our our own stories of what God has done is just really cool. And I love how you tie that all together um, with feasting. So I um, appreciate that. Um, so we are getting short on time. So I'm going to ask you, I have two questions and I'm going to let you pick whichever one you feel led <laughs> I'll to. I'll try to be short. To, uh, <laughs> or no, yeah, just pick whichever one you feel led to answer. I know we, we pray about these conversations and um, whichever one you feel like our audience needs to hear most, but um, I would love to, it's actually three of them. So I'll let you pick anyone. Um, what were the biggest no's that um, you maybe heard in what God taught you through that? Was prayer modeled for you as a kid? And I know we kind of heard that about your parents. And, and in what ways do you long to keep growing your prayer life today? Um, I'll take that last one. I feel mm. like I'm on a game show. I'll take the last one for 500, <laughs> please. <laughs> um, it, just because there's the more I discover about God, the hungrier I am to know more. Mm. Yeah. And, um, Value and I were writing books on prayer about the same time this mm -hmm. year. Um, and I got to write um, 365 devotionals 
prayer devotionals on on reciting God's goodness and expressing our need to Him based on Scripture. And as I was writing these prayers, um, it occurred to me that I journal my prayers, um, and and that helps me stay focused <laughs> for extended periods of time. But something that I really long to grow in is um, verbal prayers mm. out loud when I'm yeah. alone with God. Yeah. So when, I feel like we're coming full circle. Like when, when I go on these prayer walks with some of these um, older women friends of mine, we can walk and talk and I kid you not for hours. And it doesn't feel like hours because it feels like you're talking to a friend <laughs> because he is that real. Um, but for some reason I have struggled to hold that same, um, verbal prayer attention span when I'm by myself. Um, Mm -hmm. And this is me being like totally vulnerable, but I just feel kind of weird talking to an empty room out loud. Like I can write out my prayers and I can pray out loud when there's someone else listening. (laughs) Um, But me praying to God with the boldness and the confidence and the faith that he hears me, even if the room seems empty. um, That's something that I've, identified this year as why is this a hurdle for me? I'm, I'm not sure. Um, I have friends who pray in their car when they're by themselves. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, I don't know if I could do that. <laughs> <laughs> um, and, and so it's not a comparison thing of, Oh, they do that. I should do that too. But rather it's um, again, it feels like an invitation um, mm-hmm. and, and it's almost a niggling in my spirit where, where it feels like God is, um, placing something there to say, I have something for you. Are you willing to go on this adventure with me? Um, and so that's that's what I think the next step of my prayer adventure with the Lord looks like. I love it. Thank you so much for sharing. It, it's That's one of my favorite questions because it really is, uh, like we were talking earlier about, it, there's just constantly more room that we have to grow in our prayer life. And even people who have been praying for a while, um, as we've interviewed people on the podcast, like there, there's still so much, everybody has something that they're working on or wanting the Lord to grow in them. So I'm glad you shared that. Um, would you, well, I guess first tell us where people can find you, um, online. Yeah. So, um, at this point in, in this conversation, I think the best place would be the podcast. Um, it's called prayersabreast.com. And every week um, we have 10 minutes of praying together through scripture. Um, and I feel like that would probably be the best place to serve listeners um, and mm-hmm. to connect there. Um, I'm sporadically on Instagram over the years. <laughs> I've, I've come to not enjoy it as much there. Um, but the the best place if you want to connect with me is my newsletter and you can go to um, asherita.com that's my first name.com and um, sign up for my newsletter there and every week I email not just the weekly podcast but also just a short devotional based on what I'm learning with the Lord um, in those weeks and some of my favorite resources to grow in spiritual habits and, and to continue enjoying Jesus. So the newsletter at ashrita.com and the podcast at prayersofrest.com. Awesome. Well, Ashrita, would you close us in prayer today? Be happy to. 
Oh, Father, you are so good and so kind to us that um, even hundreds of miles apart, we get to connect through technology. We get to talk about your goodness and your grace and your sufficiency in our lives for the ways that when we are hungry, you satisfy. And when we are not hungry, you invite us to discover to taste and see that you are good. Thank you for being so patient with us. Thank you for um, all those times that we throw spiritual temper tantrums like toddlers, that you gently and patiently guide us. Thank you for your spirit's work in us, that when we have no words to say, your spirit intercedes. And thank you, Jesus, that you are our high priest and that you empathize with our weaknesses. And you continue to invite us to approach the throne of grace with boldness Mm. so that we might find help in time of need. Lord God, I pray for our sister who's listening to this episode right now. You know her. You love her. You see her. And so wherever she is in her journey of prayer today, God, I pray that you would... um, just imprint on her soul the reassurance of how loved she is by you and how much you desire to be in conversation with her. God, I pray that you would surround her with godly women who love you and who would um, seek to continue prayer discipleship in this next generation. That one generation would indeed declare your mighty works to the next. God, I pray for um, Val. (laughs) I pray over her podcast and her book and her team and her business and her ministry for the prayer journals that are going out, um, that you would continue to move mightily through your spirit, um, that many, many women in their children, in their families, in their churches, in their communities, in this generation would come to taste and see that you are good, that you are so good that anything is worth laying down for the sake of knowing you and being found in you. And so, Jesus, we look forward to your return. We can't wait for the day that you come to claim your bride. And so here we are fasting and praying and waiting for the bridegroom to come back. And we say, come, Lord Jesus, come. We can't wait to see you face to face. We love you. Amen. Amen. Thank you so much for being here, Asherita. Thanks again for having me, Val. I feel like we could talk all day. (laughs) Yeah, we could.